to this edition of Inside the Hashes Air It Out Podcast. I'm Juan Guarini, and I'm joined by a few correspondents today. I got Jerome Jones to my right. What's up? And I got Chris Thomas to my left. What to do? Unfortunately, uh, our other correspondent, Avery Collins, couldn't join us today due to an emergency. We wish him nothing but the best. But in the meantime, gentlemen, how has your week been? It's been good, man. Getting ready for this draft. It's going to be fun. And, you know, can't wait. What about you, Chris? You do anything? Oh, nothing, man. Just working, getting ready for the draft. Well, that week is going to be hectic because I got the draft. I got my end game ticket. It's going to be a wild weekend, man. The weekend of the 25th through 27th is just going to be crazy. You got end game coming out. You got the NFL draft. You got Taylor Swift dropping a new album on the 26th. Uh, and you got me turning 24 years old. It's all Woo! crazy. Oh, crazy. Uh, but, you know, as much as I want to talk about all these pop culture phenomenons, I want to, like, bring up something else instead before we start. Like, So, as everyone, so as you know, uh, this week was the release of the first ever image of a black hole that was ever taken, you know, in history. No one ever knew what it looked like. The, the picture right now, if you look it up on Google, is just basically uh, a red circle with a, with a black, with a black, like, just... A literal black hole on the inside. People were so amazed. The, the conception of the black hole that we've seen in movies and TV, like we, we've had it so wrong over the years. And it, it brings up that this is a major, uh, major step in human achievements towards reaching the stars. And it, it wasn't the only breaking news in space that we saw. We also saw Israel launch their first ever attempt at a moon landing. Uh, it failed because the, the craft crashed on the surface of the moon so they couldn't officially land but they were they became the seventh country ever to actually pull off orbiting around the moon right next to china the soviet union and the united states just to name a few and you know i'm surprised this news didn't get a lot of attention because it got overshadowed by news about coachella about you know endgame about just pop culture just kind of took over and all these achievements in human history just got pushed off to the table so let me ask you guys are, are we like so overly saturated overly saturated and overtly obsessed with celebrity life that these groundbreaking attempts at human achievement just go under the radar jerome you got your hand up yes 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 that's all i gotta say oh all right <laughs> what about you chris i mean the black hole was cool but so was the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah. But but it, this is a major step in human achievement. We Dude, find Emperor Palpatine is back in Episode Nine. I thought he died in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> that was so amazing seeing him in that. I was I like, what? It. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. You see how a fake Lando movie. is back. I'm sure. sorry. Sure, you sure. gotta wait. Shush! Shush! No, no, no. Shush. Shush. <laughs> I had to see it. I'm going to watch it on my way to work today. Oh, but thanks for spoiling it. Yeah, thanks so much. Spoiler. And I, and I gave you the best topic of the day to talk about today, which we're going to jump into right after I go over the rundown. The rundown. All right, to start off, on a sad note, Hall of Fame Packer lineman Forrest Gregg passed away at the age of 85. Gregg was a star tackle and guard for a dynasty Packers teams of the 1960s, working with Packers head coach Vince Lombardi and Cowboys head coach Tom Landry, a winner of three Super Bowls, a nine-time All-Pro, and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Gregg's legacy in Green Bay and the NFL will forever be cherished, and he will be uh, sorely missed. Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard signed a four-year, $41 million extension with Big Blue. $21.3 million of it is guaranteed. Shepard amassed 2,286 yards and 14 touchdowns in his three years uh, with Big Blue alongside Odell Beckham Jr. With OBJ gone to the dog pound, it'll be interesting to see if Shepard steps up as the number one option alongside Golden Tate. The Patriots re-signed one of their franchise mainstays on defense per Mass Live. Safety Patrick Chun returns to New England on a one-year contract extension, adding on to a three-year, $12.9 million agreement he signed in the past. 
Chung broke his arm during the Patriots' 13-3 triumph over the Rams and Super Bowl 53. According to, after recording eight straight 100-yard receiving games, Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen gets his due as Minnesota awards him a four-year, $63 million extension with an incentive roof of $73 million. Not bad for an undrafted free agent. Washington linebacker Reuben Foster was fined two games, two game checks by the NFL for his domestic violence incident from last November. And that incident led to Foster's release from the San Francisco 49ers last year. However, Foster was not suspended by the NFL as the NFL released a statement saying, following a thorough investigation, the evidence did not support a finding that Foster violated the NFL's personal conduct policy in connection with the Tampa incident of November 2018. The NFL has returned Foster to the active roster from the commissioner's exemplars. He may fully participate in all team activities, end quote. And to end the rundown on a bit of a funny note, when asked about rumors of possibly taking the head coaching job with the Dallas Cowboys in the near future, Saints head coach Sean Payton told WWL radio show uh, Sports Talk with Bobby Herbert and Christian Garrick that he has, quote, a fleur-de-lis tattoo that just can't be erased. And of course, the fleur-de-lis is the logo of the New Orleans Saints, as well as a mainstay symbol of New Orleans, of New Orleans culture. Peyton gets asked this question nearly every year as he served as an assistant from 2003 to 2005 with the Cowboys under Hall of Fame head coach Bill Parcells. Now, guys, before we move into our topics today, I, I like that. I like the whole Florida Lease tattoo can't be erased that Peyton said. It kind of reminded me of when the of when like tabloids took pictures of Rex Ryan on the beach, and you see like that tattoo of his wife with a Mark Sanchez jersey on. <laughs> and it, it kind of just makes me remember the good times, the, the simpler times of being a Jets fan and what it was all about, you know? And also kind of brings up the question, if you had a chance, I know you, both of you guys are Eagles fans, but would you consider getting an Eagle tattoo, like, what, any kind? It doesn't have to be, like, the symbol or jersey. Like, what would you want to get on you? Um, if, I, if I was to get one, I'd probably just get, like, the bird's eye. I think that would be, like, a really cool look. Chris? Um, I would probably just get uh, the number the number nine and like the eagle symbol on top of it <laughs> to represent the first Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Okay, yeah. uh, for me, if I ever got a Jets tattoo, it won't be Darnold. It won't be a quarterback. It'll probably be a green plane flying across my arm with a trail of tears right behind it. <laughs> trail of tears. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, no love of any testability. Ah, <laughs> uh, I can't, man, because he was a, a journeyman quarterback that only had a one good year and it got injured right after that, you know? Mm. You know, it's like a T, it's like the ultimate tease. Mark Sanchez, Tim Tebow, uh, Christian <laughs> Hackenberg, Geno Smith. I could, the list goes on and on. I can't keep track of them all. <laughs> we'll see where that tattoo goes in the future. Could be a leg, could be an arm. We'll see where it goes. In the meantime, let's go over to our first topic of the day, which is team needs. Now, due to the fact that the NFL chat is coming up in two weeks, we're going to have to ramp up our team needs segment. So instead of covering one division today, we're taking on two. And I divided those two divisions uh, between both Chris and Jerome. We have the AFC North and the AFC South to cover today. And the first thing we'll tackle is the ever-competitive landscape that is the AFC North. Chris, take it away. All right, AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens won that division after going 6-2 and two and uh, becoming the number one run defense after Lamar Jackson took over. So I'm going to start off with the Cincinnati Bengals because they were last in their division. At one point, they were actually leading their division, but uh, injuries to Andy Dahl in their Defense just completely fell apart and just a complete burnout for Marvin Lewis. Uh, I think the first thing that they need to do is is they need to figure out their quarterback of the future. Um, Andy Dalton's contract is coming up, and we've seen, uh, um, just like Marvin Lewis, that Andy Dalton just isn't good enough to get them over the hump. Um, no matter how much talent he has, whether it be an A.J. Green, a Tyler Eifert when he's on the field, uh, a Joe Mixon, 
he's had talented rosters over the past seven years, and he still hasn't been able to record that one playoff win for Cincinnati that they haven't had since the 80s. So I think quarterback of the future should definitely be something seriously to consider. If not this year, definitely next year, because the quarterback group that's coming out next year is probably a lot better to start in week one than it is to probably try to compete with Andy Dalton this year. Another thing is uh, just about any, anybody on the uh, – any help in the secondary. Uh, you, Gino, Gino Atkins isn't getting any younger. Uh, they just – they were one of the worst defenses in all of football last year, so they definitely need somebody in that – in that back end, especially in that secondary, um, to definitely groom forward like the Dolphins did. Um, I, because of where they were, they were in the middle of the pack, so they had to take Minka Fitzpatrick. But as you saw Minka Fitzpatrick, he wasn't like Derwin James or like Jamal Adams' early impact, but but he was competent enough to come in and make an impact for that defense. So uh, Cincinnati definitely needs to get BPA in terms of defense, probably like a Greedy Williams or a Devin Bush. Uh, someone to come in, make an impact, and uh, definitely take that role as that that leader and uh, that thumper that Vontae Burfett left. As next, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of their drama is more on off the field than it is on offensively. You probably just need to look for another quarterback in the future, kind of sim- similar to Cincinnati. Ben Roethlisberger isn't getting any old younger. Not basically uh, future there. I I wasn't I wasn't blown away from what he did in Oklahoma, and neither was Josh Dobbs in Tennessee. Um, but you definitely need to some you definitely need somebody um, because I feel like the higher you pick, the more better the the quality quarterback that you believe that you're going to be going forward. So someone to bring in, sit for a year, probably like a Drew Locke or or like a Will Greer if they're not taken and if they're not reached within like the top 10, 15 picks. Uh, another is somebody in that front seven because that defense really hasn't been the same since Ryan Shazier um, got injured almost two seasons ago. He's making strides, he's walking, he's working out, and it's it's amazing to see after uh, a potential, not even a career-threatening injury, a life-threatening injury. But they definitely need somebody to replace him in that front, in that front seven until if he potentially comes back to help T.J. Watt and they just need somebody on defense. Uh, offense, I think they're going to be fine. Juju Schuster, I believe, is going to be relish in the opportunity to be the number one wide receiver. James Washington isn't bad. Um, you still have Vance McDonald as a tight end. James Conner is is a decent enough running back. You can definitely uh, get another running back because he did um, get hurt at the end of the season, and you definitely could use a running back by committee back there. As far as Baltimore, I really don't see really that many needs for them. They, they were a playoff team. The biggest thing is is that Lamar Jackson needs to get better in terms of throwing, throwing the football. I think if he becomes a better threat of throwing the football, I think it opens a lot more doors for Baltimore in terms of them getting back into the playoffs because you saw them in the playoffs. You saw that Chargers front seven, even without Corey Legion, they just ate um, – they just ate um, – Lamar Jackson alive back there. Another thing that wouldn't help is probably getting a, a potential number one wide receiver down there. They don't have; they have a bunch of number twos and number three guys. You draft Hayden Hurst. Um, I don't believe he's ready yet to be the number one tight end yet, but you definitely could get him a number one option because when you get that stud wide receiver, uh, it makes a young quarterback's job a lot easier. You saw on the trade deadline that Dak Prescott got uh, Mark Cooper. Dak became a completely different quarterback throwing the football to Amari Cooper than he was just trying to throw it to Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, and an aging Jason Witten. Last but certainly not least, Cleveland. They're my pick to win the AFC North this year. And I really don't think they – I think they're set. You have your franchise – you have your franchise pass rusher on Miles Garrett. Um, you could use a num- another number two cornerback uh, to opposite of Denzel Ward or just anybody in that secondary – any, anybody in the secondary would help because you traded Jabril Peppers, even though I really wasn't that big on Jabril Peppers, but losing him and also your first-round pick, um, even to get a talent like Odell Beckham Jr. Um, hurts, and you still have a hole in that secondary that you still need to fix, despite how 
much pressure you're going to get with your front four. Offensively, I think you're set. Um, you could use some more depth for offensive linemen. Um, you don't really need to do anything more for wide receiver. You got Jarvis Landry. You got Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Callaway is a good slot wide receiver. Um, you got David Njoku, who's had a, who had a breakout season uh, for the past two years. And you have a three-headed monster back there if Duke Johnson doesn't get traded and Kareem Hunt gets back into the fold after being suspended for the first eight games and Nick Chubb. Now, uh, if y'all y'all pay attention to any of the sports talk shows that goes on, the debate of, as to whether or not Cleveland will actually break out because they have all the talent on paper. On paper, it seems solid and well. Um, you have people like Stephen A. Smith talk about how until they actually play a game first, we will never really know how well the talent will translate onto the field. But I do support your choice in Cleveland taking the AFC North in 2019 because aside from my bias of being a Steeler hater, I just, despite the fact that they have been drafting so well over the past decade or so, the, the fact that there's so much drama and turmoil within the locker room, I don't believe there's a sense of trust or control there anymore. And it's only going to be a matter of time before that manifest, manifests onto the field. That's for the Ravens. They're a young team. They have to rebuild. They, it was a fluke that they made it to the playoffs in 2018, just relying on a running game because no one was prepared for that. Uh, but now that they have a chance to review tape, they should be ready. And as for the Bengals, well, what can be said about them that hasn't been said already? Um, moving on to the AFC South, Jerome, take it away. So with the AFC South, we have the Tennessee Titans, the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Texans. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Jaguars. To Chris's point, they got Nick Foles, the MVP of Super Bowl 52. I think that was a great move for them. I think that um, they definitely want to protect him. So also offensive line, I think it will be a big need for them. Um, the offensive tackle will probably be one of their big deals, or they might want to give him more weapons. Um, they might want to give him a, a, a number one true wide receiver. They got a lot of good receivers, but a lot of number two, number three kind of wide receivers that need that one guy that can draw most of the attention off of everybody else. Also, I think they're a, a good need for them is a backup running back. I mean, they just got offered off for blow, but I think they need a little bit, somebody a little bit more sustainable. I mean, um, TJ Yeldon is still out there. He's a possibility of re-signing him still. But they did lose Carlos Hyde as well. Um, so they need somebody behind uh, Leonard Fournette, especially with his um, injury history. Everybody knows how injury-prone he is. He gets injured. Also, he got arrested earlier this week, so he's a yeah. little unreliable in terms of conduct. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he got he got um, he got arrested. So they definitely, I think they're gonna need uh, they're definitely gonna need an, another running back back there. Um, somebody can maybe spell him a little bit more. Alpha Blue is decent backup, but he's not. I don't. I don't feel like he can withstand the low, especially if this arrest kind of uh, get him. Like yield a uh, suspension or something like that. So that's that. Um, they could still use a tight end. Um, a safety would be good for them. So that's just a couple of needs for them. Um, moving on to the Tennessee Titans, they need edge rusher, um, like most teams do now. Um, edge rusher would be a good um, fit for them. Again, like the Jaguars, they don't have a n true number one. Maybe um, so. Yeah, maybe Corey Davis can jump into that number number one role. Um, he did kind of flash a little bit last year, so it is a possibility. But they can still use another wide receiver. They have like a lot of number number twos as well. They can use a tight end. Um, Delaney Walker's getting up there in age, and they, you can see how the offense didn't respond well once he got out the lineup last year. So having a um, a tight end to kind of come in and learn behind him, and you know take over the reins once Delaney Walker is officially retired, because I think he's like what thirty. Five, something like that now. So he's getting up there in age. And then interior defensive linemen. Now, you know, they, they can use a good pass rusher. I mean, this year is good for pass rushers and um, defensive linemen in the draft. So I think that's be a good spot for them to um, try to do that. All right. And then for the um, Indianapolis Colts, they just got Funches on their team. I think they could still use another wide receiver as well. I think interior defensive linemen is more important. Um, they got Justin Houston. 
um, in there as well to help out a little bit, but they might want to get another edge rusher as well just because he's older. Safety, um, DB, they didn't, definitely need more DBs. Um, they just re-signed um, Pierre uh, Desir, uh, which is which came along and with, did it really well last year, um, a little underrated. Uh, but I think they could still use some uh, safety help and um, cornerbacks right there. So, And as for the Texans, the Texans need um, offensive linemen is – Everybody knows their offensive line is not that great. They gotta protect Deshaun Watson. Don't want to get him injured again, especially the fact that he gets out of the pocket so much as well. They need to get him a little bit more time to, you know, stay in the pocket a little bit, keep him upright. Um, they need safety help. They lost Tyron Matthews, so safety will definitely be uh, good for them. They got um, Tyshawn Gibson, which is not a bad safety, but they need to get another safety kind of get in there. And um. Again, they can use another uh, running back, too. I mean, they got Lamar Miller. They lost Alfred Blue. So having another backup running back would be good for them. And um, and I feel like they always need a tight end. Like, their tight ends are decent, but, like, they need a good tight end. And I think having a really good tight end would help Deshaun Watson a lot. So. You might, I might also want to add a receiver in there because how many times has Will Fuller fallen That's to – Season-ending injuries. Last year was an ACL tear. The year before was a broken shoulder. Um, but in any case, I like your assessment of what you did so far. Uh, I I have no faith in the Titans whatsoever. <laughs> in the sense that I can't trust Marcus Mariota's consistency or his injury status. And the backup quarterback he has there, Ryan Tannehill, is too complacent, and I don't trust his judgment. My, uh, I like Corey Davis. I'm sure he's going to become an excellent star. Yeah, uh, I agree but with that. The rest of the supporting cast, I just have no faith in. Uh, Delaney Walker is getting up there in age, uh, three-time Pro Bowler, but still uh, kind of got into a renaissance when he was traded from the 49ers, yeah. uh, which is pretty appreciative. In terms of the Colts, they have most of their major pieces back. They're, yeah. they're relatively young. The running game is starting to develop. Uh, so Darius Leonard emerges a premier linebacker. Kamoko Ture as a really good edge rusher. Um, I, you're right in the sense, sense of secondary. Malik Hooker, when he was drafted two years ago, looked like a premier safety, but injuries have hampered him over the past two years. Yeah. And looking at the uh, Houston Texans, I have them as my favorite to win the AFC South again mainly because of Deshaun Jackson and DeAndre Hopkins. That's just a team that cannot be beat right there. Yeah. Uh, but this division's wide open for anyone that can take it, either the Colts, the Texans, the Jaguars, or the uh, Titans. You, you really can't go wrong with almost any of these picks. Yeah, and, like, this division is always flip-flop, and one of the teams always, like, become, like, the favorite team each year. So this is, like, one of those teams, like, this is one of those divisions, like um, Avi's division that he just did at the SC North, where any of these teams can kind of go be the number one um, team each year. So, exactly. like the head, and like the head coaching jobs, each one there: Frank Reich with the Colts, Doug Marone with the Jaguars, Bill O'Brien for the Thank you, Bill O'Brien for the Houston Texans, uh, Tennessee Titans heads coach, former linebacker whose name escapes me, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. All of them quality head coaches, great schemers, uh, brilliant minds in their own right. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what they have to work with. But moving on to uh, the next story of today involving another head coach, or in this case, former head coach. We, we, all, know, we all know the name uh, Mike McCarthy, headed the Packers for since 2007, I believe it was. Uh, winning record, took them to a Super Bowl, multiple playoff birds, but there was always the issue that he and his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, always butted heads. And it was never really publicly addressed until uh, earlier this week. And what we saw was an exclusive article that was released by Bleacher Reports' Tyler Dustin that highlighted the toxic relationship between uh, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers during their tenure in Green Bay. And a lot of the highlights that we saw included the fact that Rodgers always carried himself with a chip on his shoulder, even when he was uh, drafted by the Green Bay Packers and when Mike McCarthy came in, because when Rodgers was drafted, McCarthy was working with the 49ers at that time. And he wanted Alex Smith 
over Aaron Rodgers. So everyone between into Titletown, Rodgers just carried that resentment with him the whole time. Um, there was also speculation that McCarthy, during his later years with the Packers, just gave up on the team and felt that he didn't need to be there for team meetings, that he didn't really need to be a, a, as active in, in organizing game plans as he was. So there would be this rumor that he would sneak off of meetings to get a massage in his office. Um, there was the fact that uh, Rogers never agreed with McCarthy in terms of his offensive play calls. Uh, there's the front office telling Rogers that he can no longer be a diva and that he can't be a problem for new head coach Matt in the floor. Uh, this report really highlighted a lot of, of of the weird and controversial happenings that were going on within the Packers organization. And due to, and some think that because there's no official owner with the Packers that these that these issues were able to manifest and it, it just deteriorated a once hopeful dynasty into just a one-time Super Bowl win with multiple playoff trips like uh, a waste of a waste of talent and a waste of, of a relationship so um, I'm, I'm, I know you guys like you you've heard the report you've heard what's been on and what's been talked about uh, so I just want to get your guys take on the, the whole thing in general like is this article overblown is it uh, a hit piece as Aaron Rodgers I uh, said earlier this week about it. Uh, Chris, I want to start off with you. What do you think about this report? Okay, initially when it came out, and I talked to Avery about this, Mike McCarthy did have his flaws. I was never also a big Mike McCarthy fan to begin with either. But what's done is done. But there are just some things that, that Aaron Rodgers just – couldn't do in terms of being a locker room leader. I can't like have my criticisms in regards to Ben Roethlisberger and his relationship with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and on their way out and not hold Aaron Rodgers to the same amount of accountability with him and Mike McCarthy. Um, the, the comments that he said about Greg Jennings um, and telling him to not run uh, the, the routes that Mike McCarthy uh, told his wide receivers to run, I'm just there's just other certain ways to go about doing your due diligence in terms of trying to help the team win. But I also talked to my brother about this, and I told him about the article, and he read it as well. It was just like, when is any of this shocking in regards to Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers always wears the chips on his shoulder. Aaron Rodgers is he, – he is what he is. He never pretends to be like this wholesome, nice guy that, that – like. This, he's never been he's never been a nice guy, period. Point blank. Um, he's always had uh, questionable tendencies in regards to uh, his teammate and his leadership. And I doubled down on the article. Really, outside of Jermichael Finley, who struggled even with playing with Aaron Rodgers, and he had his own consistencies and with drops. And Greg Jennings, and even after being let go of Green Bay, he struggled to find his own way in terms of his back to his form when he was in Minnesota, you really haven't really heard any criticisms of Aaron Rodgers outside of those two. Charles Woodson never has anything bad to say about them, and he was one of the more veteran leaders And during that 2010 Super Bowl team. You never hear anything about Clay Matthews. Uh, you never hear anything about Randall Cobb. Jordy Nelson says that if Aaron Rodgers uh, hits me up and wants me to come back, I will come back to Green Bay in a heartbeat. You never hear anything about James Jones either. So, And the Devontae Adams who was Devontae Adams, uh, he said that he needed to get himself together um, in order to play with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers has a high demand in regards to um, how he holds himself and what's he what he views in terms of expectations for his team. It's kind of like a Kobe Bryant mentality. It's like I'm not my job isn't here to coddle you or for you to guys to like me. Uh, you can, I, my job is to make sure that you guys get on my level so we can win as many football games as possible and win as many championships as we can. Should Aaron Rodgers be a little more receptive in terms of criticism and other people's viewpoints? Absolutely. But I just I think it's a little bit overblown And after um, initially reading it. 
the Aaron Rodgers perspective and how and how everything is being addressed for him. Like, yeah, he's always been a bit of a diva. The whole family issue where he lost contact with his parents and his brother that was uh, instigated on The Bachelorette was kind of weird. Uh, but, Jerome, I want to ask you from the Mike McCarthy standpoint, you know, he's taking the year off of coaching to kind of focus on himself. But mm. it was evident after the after the Super Bowl win that he, he just was not himself anymore, that his passion for the game and passion for coaching the Packers just wasn't there anymore. So how, how, how do you think this affects McCarthy in terms of future coaching prospects and, you know, about what other people have said about him? Well, I think it's definitely going to affect him um, trying to get another job. I uh, I always felt like he would get another job. There's teams out there that need, like, a coach that can come in and do things. Um, I don't think he was a great leader, per se, um, for the fact that he wasn't going to meetings and stuff. I think that was kind of weird, too. But at the same time, I kind of get it, too, because, like, for a guy to lose their locker room from a – for a, a quarterback, I feel like it, it is going to take a toll on you after a while. And, like, Aaron Rodgers wasn't his guy, like you say. He was he's from San Fran. And, um, you know, it wasn't the guy that he selected. So, oh, right off the bat, the, the quarterback um, coaching pairing wasn't always going to – wasn't necessarily going to be a fit. But in those situations, you have to make it fit. So – as the head coach, you got to, like, figure out, you know, what I have to do to get Aaron Rodgers to, you know, agree with my philosophy and, like, sit down and, you know, talk it out and come up with game plans together and things like that. And I just kind of feel like that leadership part of it wasn't there for McCarthy. Um, and, I, and to Chris's point, I know that Aaron Rodgers, like, is a diva, uh, per se, but what great quarterback isn't, like, Tom Brady is, um, you know, uh, uh, Peyton Manning was. I mean, you can name, like, a whole bunch of quarterbacks that were like that. I mean, they demand, you know, that that presence because, you know, they've been there. They've done that, you know. They got Super Bowl ranked. They know, they know how that offense should be ran. So, like Chris said, Kobe Bryant was the same way, like that, that kind of arrogant but trying, like – it's kind of like arrogance, but at the same time, it's like, you know, they've been there. They had that success, and they, they, they're very um, success-driven. So they want to, you know, they look they want the best from the team, you know. So uh, if I just think that the parent wasn't there from the beginning, and um, I think McCarthy could have been a little bit better with the leadership role of that. I mean, no matter what, you're the head coach. You, you got to figure out something, you know, and – even Tom Coughlin had to change his ways um, when he was with the uh, the Giants. Like sometimes you you have to adjust your ways too. Like it's not it's not always my way or the highway all the time. You know if 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 the teams have success but like there's issues that's going on inside the locker room, maybe you have to change something or you know that kind of deal. So I just think that the firing was probably best for both sides, um, and I think that. Uh, Green Bay is probably going to be better off with without him at the moment. So, with Matt Lafleur coming in as the new head coach, Jerome, um, do you think there's going to be any change in success? Lafleur is only what three years older than Rogers, so the yeah. respect—I don't know if it'll be there because it's just a, a very minor age difference. So, yeah, because and the fact that Rogers has always been known to be a takeover kind of guy, yeah, to demand so much from so many people. The fact that he owns a lot of power in that organization for who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished. Yeah. Do you think he'll have a better season, a worse season? Is this going to be an adjustment or are we going to see a turmoil unlike any other that we saw? Like, will it be better or worse with, with that than it was with Mike McCarthy? I think, I think in a long run, it would be better because I, I feel like Matt Mafford is going to um, kind of use this year to, you know, adjust to how Aaron Rodgers play and you know they kind of I think he's going to be more receptive to getting the pains from Aaron Rodgers rather than um, McCarthy kind of having it my way or the highway kind of deal so I think that is going to be better in the long run I think that this first year is going to be a kind of adjustment I mean I think they're going to still have some success but I think that 
uh, Matt Lafleur is going to be a little bit more. Uh, a, he'll he'll be able to adjust the offense a little bit better um, now because, like like I said, this first year he can afford to kind of do that. So, Eric, what's your response? I think as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you're always in that position just because of what Aaron Rodgers is able to make up mm-hmm. just on his ability and talent alone to win 10 games. And I think Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, I think I, I think the pair will work right off the bat. I think the one thing that Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, been dying to have for is just a fresh new perspective and not just the same old coaching that Mike McCarthy and that Mike McCarthy consistently is stealing. That's why I probably think Aaron Rodgers was like, all right, instead of running this play for like the same three times in a row, run this. Uh, Matt LaFleur is a run first coach when he was also in Tennessee also with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. So maybe one might see a little bit more of Aaron Jones. And can you imagine Aaron Rodgers actually using the middle of the field? You know, actually getting uh, Jimmy Graham um, some actually legitimate looks and outside of it being the red zone. Uh, Devontae Adams getting those quick slants. Uh, Geronimo Allison um, getting a taking that next leap from um, up in his rookie year. And we still have two first-round picks in the in, in this draft coming up in, uh, in about a week and a half. So um, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see how Green Bay goes. They're one of the teams to definitely look about, to look forward to on day one, probably outside of Oakland because they have three first-round picks. But I'm a firm believer in Ram Rodgers, and I think that pair will work off, off right off the bat. There's no doubt that anyone who knows football, anyone, especially in the NFL, is a believer in Aaron Rodgers, as Chris said. Um, man's talented. Greatest quarter, probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the position. And I'm not talking about in terms of championships. I'm talking pure talent, pure mind, and pure determination. So this is a generational talent that we'll never, ever see again. I saw him live when he went up against the Jets last year. And just watch him pull off a comeback like I've never seen before is a testament to his greatness and a testament to him as probably the greatest quarterback of all time. But as we know, drama in the NFL is nothing new. We've seen it happen before. Remember, we saw it with the Eagles between Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens during that time. We've seen it uh, with the Jets between Santonio Holmes and the rest of the Jets' offense. And we see it today in the NFL especially. Only this time, the latest media circus that we see is happening in Pennsylvania, right there in Pittsburgh. Which transitions us into our next topic, our last topic for today, actually. Drama in Pittsburgh. And we've seen former and current Steelers players using the media to hash out their their anger and their frustration with the Steelers organization. From Le'Veon Bell saying that the Steelers are cheap and that they wouldn't have paid him what he was worth because the guaranteed money was their $10 million in comparison to the 35 he's making with the Jets right now. Antonio Brown claiming that he wasn't being treated with respect, that uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger is not uh, that great of a guy, that he isn't as supportive of a teammate or that supportive of a quarterback, um, that, uh, you know, that there were calls for by former running back Rashad Mendenhall that Big Ben is a racist. Uh, you even see Big Ben going on radio criticizing his teammates like Washington and Brown and saying that he has earned the right as the Steelers quarterback and a two-time Super Bowl champion to criticize his teammates. You see so Heinz Ward even calling out Big Ben. And then you see uh, offensive lineman Ray Foster put an announcement saying that any former or current uh, Pittsburgh Steeler that has an issue, contact him or uh, I think it was Villanueva about these issues so we can talk privately instead of using the media as a way to to trade bars. And guys, this is be this is a drama that went way beyond where we all expected it to go. Yeah, last year, it, the the major drama that came out was the fact that Le'Veon Bell was starting to hold out. Now you saw A B getting traded, Ben Rossberger being called out as a terrible person and a terrible leader. Um, former players saying that there's turmoil within that locker room, the questioning of Mike Tomlin's leadership and ownership in general. It is just insane what is going on there. And the fact that the media has played such a huge part of it adds to the fire. So I, I want to ask you guys your opinion on this. This is a big media fire circus, but can it get worse? Like, Or can it get better? Where do you, where do you see this affecting the Steelers in terms of their outlook for next season? Jerome, let me start with you, my guy. 
how old are all these guys, man? Like, what what is going on? Like, going to social media with this? Like, how forgot old to address that AB called out Juju Smith Schuster on on Instagram, saying like he reached out on a private DM during his USC days, and Juju has nothing but respect. And this all came from the fact that he was named Team MVP. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, I that 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 part I did not get. Like that was the most confusing thing. Like. Av, what what are you trying to prove with that? Like, what? Like, showing a DM from when he was in school and showing that he was showing respect. Like, are you trying to diss him with that? Like, I, I get, I understand that to be honest. Um, but I just think like the social media thing is just getting way out of hand. Um, people calling out each other and stuff like that. And um, I, I totally understand what Raymond Foster is getting at. Like, why are they not selling this inside and in, in house? Like, that don't make any sense. Where guys are calling out each other on online and just it, it just like we're, we're supposed to be grown men. Like, you're supposed to, you know, cash things out as grown men in, in house. Like, you don't take it to social media, and that's how this whole thing is getting out of hand. And I don't, I honestly don't see it getting any better because. You take it to the media, and then now you got all these people speculating and talking, and you know, and then online everybody gets like trolled and um, upset and things like that because you're not talking face to face. Like if if I had a problem with somebody, you take it face to face. You don't go to social media because when you go take things to social media, it gets blown a lot more out of proportion than it should be, rather than talking face to face, and. Through all this, I always said, and I said this before on our um, previous podcast, is where is the leadership in the locker room? Like, it, this should come down to the coaching. Like, I don't understand why all this is happening, and where's where's Mike Mike Thompson in all this factor? Like, he should he should intervene. Like, hey, you know, guys, stop don't, stop this. Like, and I get, I get like AB's not on the team anymore, but he gotta tell his guys like. No more, no more social media. Like, if I was the head coach, no more social media. Like, stop that. Like, I will, I will put some kind of ban on it or something like that because it's getting but way my, out of hand. I mean, we saw AB put a Facebook live of the win in the yeah, divisional. Exactly. So he gotta be, he gotta take some kind of credibility for this. Like, he gotta do something to stop this because it's getting way out of hand. Um, you gotta. We gotta worry about football. This is a football team, not a social media match. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, drama in Pittsburgh is intensifying. Uh, Chris, uh, I want to ask you in terms of Ben Roethlisberger himself. He seems to be the nucleus of this whole issue. Everyone is taking issue with him. We all knew he had a bit of a character concern coming out of college when he was drafted. Yes, he won the Super Bowls and everything, but then he was accused of sexual assault twice over the span of three years, from 2008 to 2010. Uh, he's being accused of being racist by a former running back, Rashad Mendenhall. Uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell accuses him of having an owner mentality, thinks that he can that he's above everyone else. There's so much said about Big Ben. No doubt he's an on-field talent, but what is he off the field? Let me ask you, Chris, right now, your thoughts on Big Ben being the centerfold of this whole issue. Are we shocked? <laughs> I mean, no. there's really nothing really more to be said. I mean, and as far as uh, Ray- Raymond Foster's point is, he had he had a good point. If he wasn't one of the people who went to the media and publicly slammed Le'Veon Bell for holding out for another contract, and also him and everybody else in the locker room started to give away Le'Veon Bell stuff in the locker room. If he hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't agree with his point. And as far as Ben Roethlisberger is going, his silence is definite, especially throughout all this. Um, there's no accountability between him, the general manager, Mike Tomlin. Everybody's just – it's the inmates running the asylum right now. And you really seen this as the years goes on, obviously, like the days when Roethlisberger came onto the team. You had your Joey Porter, you had Detroit Palomalu, your James Harris and your James Theriers. Highs Ward, those were the those were the locker room leaders. And as slowly as those guys started to dwindle out, Highs Ward retired, Troy Polamal had to retire during injuries, Harrison, Ferrier, everybody starts to leave. And it slowly became the Big Ben's team. 
you saw that their plateau for success just reached, was just essentially just reaching the playoffs and winning the division. There's no accountability. He doesn't hold himself into a, like we all like we all need to play better. It's like okay, I'm I'm bigger. Listen, his comment about like, well, I'm the quarterback. I can criticize whoever I want. Is everything that needs to tell me about the kind of character he is. Everything he needs to tell me about the kind of leadership that is going on, and also just the leadership that that locker room has allowed. Um, you got you're talking about one of the more historic and um, well-respected franchises, not just in football, but just in sports. And the fact that you have gotten your franchise to the point where it's a lot of infighting between former players and former um, former players and current players right now is really deafening about the leadership that's really going on in Steel City. Now, it is true that the Steelers are one of the more respected franchises. I mean, they, they were the first team to reach six Super Bowl championships, and they had most for a long time until this year when the Patriots won their sixth. I agree with you in the sense of the respect. The, the Rooneys did a great job in maintaining a, a well, well-run well organization, well-financed, well-scouted. It was a model organization for many teams to emulate, but seeing that, that talent, with talent comes ego. We saw that with AB. We saw that with Big Ben. We saw that with Le'Veon. Uh, it, the ego just became too much to handle. It used to be that the Steelers could cut anyone at any time, and they did that really effectively. But it's, it, it's I agree with you, it's the inmates running the asylum. So to 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 end the segment and to end the podcast uh, on a final question for both of you guys, with Chris, I want to start off with you first. What will become of the Pittsburgh Steelers? They're going to miss the playoffs this year. And... I think them missing the playoffs now for two years in a row, and I'm going to go even bolder, even before the draft, I think they're going to have a losing record. I think they're going to be between like seven and nine. Mm. And I think that's going to be the wake-up call for management and ownership that something in this organization stinks. It needs to change. Maybe Le'Veon Bell's comments and AB's comments about Ben Roethlisberger and the leadership in that locker room isn't as isn't as strong as it, as as it's perceptive to be, and maybe Mike Tomlin maybe have to move on. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger um, respectfully leaves the organization and retires. Who knows? But something has to change because right now that window of opportunity for you guys to win the Super Bowl it's it's shut, and I don't think I think barring that massive collapse within their division, I don't see them getting to. I don't see them making the playoffs at all. Jerome? Uh, I agree, Chris, though. Um, I think the Steelers are not going to be uh, as good. There's There were so many games last year that they were so close to losing, um, and they just won at the skin of their teeth. Um, you know, maybe an AB, AB being there or, like, a, a good run or something like that, give them that one extra play that they needed. Now that they don't have AB, um, obviously they don't have Le'Veon anymore. So they're going to have to rely heavily on Juju or like a young receiver if they bring somebody in, um, you know, another young running back um, and um, James Conner. So it, and James Conner ha- kind of had his um, injury issues last year, too. So if James Conner goes down, like who, who they have, they just have Juju, basically. So um, the offense is not that good. Um, defense was looking better last year, but I still don't think they're a really, really good defense. So I actually agree with uh, Chris. Um, I mean, I, I will say more like eight and eight, maybe. But um, I, I do see them losing. I mean, not going into the playoffs this year. As much as I hate the Steelers, and as much as I, I hate Ben, ben Roethlisberger personally as a person, it's, it's a it's a well it's a, it's in history. It's been a well run organization. It's had its fresh share of drama, like it did between Chuck Noll and Terry Bradshaw during the 70s, but they handled that and turned it into four Super Bowl wins. Mm-hmm. Now, it can be done between Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger with only one win, but still, it's been effectively run, effectively scouted, effectively funded. You really can ask, and aside from the drama, there's not much else you can ask out of, out of, out of such a franchise. Uh, I do I have to disagree with you guys on something. Uh, I did say earlier that the Cleveland Browns will win the division, 
But I also believe that the Steelers will win a wild card spot because despite all the drama, we saw the drama intensify throughout the season last year, and they still won 7-2-1 and one, uh, throughout their first 11 games. So we saw, and we saw that like take off pretty well. And I, I feel that with all the talent that they have around them, they can still make a strong playoff push. They'll barely skate into it, but they can make a strong uh, push. Um, but if anything else goes wrong, if another teammate gets called out, or if, if the drama just intensifies, it's like let's say uh, someone on the defense becomes a diva. Um, then that's where you start not questioning the players, but questioning the coach that handles it. And Mike Tomlin being a defensive coach, I gotta say that if you see players on the defense starting to, you know, disrespect, he's gotta be let go. Because if he hasn't been able to corral big personalities on offense, which you can understand, and you see big personalities pop up on defense, that's where the leash ends. The best solution for if anything goes wrong this season, it's just a major culture change. Mm-hmm. Whether that be a head coach, whether that be a player or any or general manager in general, any change whatsoever, uh, going with Chris on that, it has to happen. It has to. Because this is not the way organizations are run. This is not how successful football teams are run. This is how Hollywood runs. And this is not Hollywood. It's Pittsburgh. <sighs> And with that, we end today's podcast. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Chris and Jerome for joining joining today for uh, amazing opinions and amazing work. Thank you, guys. Uh, and for everyone listening, uh, you can find our podcast at InsideTheHashes.com. You can also find us on social media, Facebook at InsideTheHashes, Instagram at InsideTheHashes, Twitter at InsideHashes. And remember that we will be having a live stream of the NFL draft in the next two weeks. Jerome, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, make sure you check us out. We're going to be live on there. It's going to be fun. We're going to have um, some guest speakers on the podcast, um, just having live reactions to each uh, draft pick. And, you know, it's going to be real fun. Um, make sure you check us out. It's going to be on um, Facebook Live and Instagram Live. So check us out. It's going to be fun. All right, well, thank you guys for listening again. I was Juan Guarín for Jerome Jones and for Chris Thomas. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.